Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. This is December 7th, 2022. We continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 47, Change of Government. Now, with a title like that, I hope I don't get banned by any media outlet. But we're going to talk today about change of government. You know, in the natural realm, governments are most often changed by a new regime, overpowering and replacing the old one. If an oppressive government has made slaves of its people, a stronger force must arise and make war against the oppressing government. After the oppressor is defeated and the captives are set free, the war ends and the victors rule. The new government is in full control and begins a process of restoring and repairing all the damage done by the oppressor. You know, in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us his son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Yes, we're talking governments, and in the kingdom of God, our king is a a new king. It was a child that was born. He is a son that was given. Yes, we talk about change of government, and that's really what Christmas is about. A change of government with the birth of Jesus Christ, the government is upon his shoulder. Now, we're talking government. We're talking about the rulership. You see, Christ has come to free us from the kingdom of darkness. That is our oppressors. This is the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus has come to set us free of sin and darkness. And when we enter into his kingdom, then suddenly the process begins of restoring and repairing of our lives. Everything that has been damaged by this oppressing sin and darkness, Jesus has come to restore and repair. However, we have to understand that um, we're not always accustomed to this. You know, likewise, we talk about earthly kingdoms having revolutions and changing governments. Nations that have lived a long time in darkness of bondage, they're not accustomed to living in freedom. 
We see this many times in third world nations that were ruled by dictators. They're suddenly freed. I can think of some nations in, shall we say, Latin South America that the United States have freed from oppression. And all of a sudden, their people, they're free of a dictator, but their quality of living decreases. It decreases. Why? Because the people are not, they were freed, but they didn't free themselves. They were freed by somebody else. And now they're not accustomed to what does it mean to actually rule? What does it actually mean to bring into freedom? And because they're not prepared for that, they actually begin to live in worse conditions than what their oppressor gave them. Likewise, King Jesus is a great light that shines into this dark world. You know, John chapter 1 verse 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let me put this with another Old Testament verse. Isaiah 9-2. This is, again, part of the prophecy about for untrusted child is born. But this is a little earlier. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death Upon them a light has shined. And you see that light is the light of Jesus Christ. And he's shining into this dark world. But you know what? Sometimes those of us living in this dark world, we don't understand the light that we're seeing. I like to compare this to bugs. You see, when you go into an old house that has been dark and decrepit for a long time, and you suddenly turn on the light, you'll often see roaches all over the place. And they scatter. They run from the light and oftentimes that is us we just have to be honest sometimes the light of god will shine in our light and we want to run away like a roach we want to scurry away when you take the gospel message and you all of a sudden you start telling your friends about the the greatness of jesus and they they want to scurry away from you that is the darkness not understanding the light That is our sin nature, does not want to be exposed and wants to recoil from the light of God. Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. And then John 12, 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. See, Jesus has come to redeem us, to redeem mankind, and his kingdom is coming to rule and govern. We know from Genesis that God gave authority, dominion, to rule the earth to man. That means it's man's responsibility to govern. But you see, here's the, here's the real understanding. Sometimes people, they want to become like a dominionist type of theology. I think that that means that we, we can rule. We can't rule. Number one, Adam already blew that. He blew that out of the water. But it is true, when God established his, his, his creation, 
a man has to rule the earth. A man has to have authority and dominion. That wasn't given to you and I. You see, we, we lost that with the fall. But Jesus Christ, God became flesh and blood. He became a human being. He came and walked on this earth, and he paid the full price of redemption. He bought you and I and the world. Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ has received all authority. Jesus Christ has received all dominion. And now it is his responsibility to rule and govern. I know it it sounds sort of crazy because as God, he already has that authority. But you see, when mankind was given this authority and we lost it in the fall, Jesus went and got it back himself. He is the worthy one. And now he's the one that is governing. He's Now it's our responsibility to do what? As we are born again, as we become citizens in his kingdom, we are to follow his rule and reign. Not yours and my rule of reign. We don't have the dominion and authority to tell the earth and people what to do. We're now subject to the Lord. And as we submit ourselves, you know, he's a gracious and loving God, and he wants us to be involved with this. Yes, he will give us responsibilities. He will give out authority to us. The first authority he's given us is to go and make disciples of the whole world. He's given us the authority to speak forth his word, to see people's lives changed. See, he's delegated that to us. And we need to be responsible and and perform what he's given us. I I share this because sometimes we, we get this idea that this authority means that we can be our own little kings. That's not what we're called to do. Um, but in doing this, we have to understand that, again, we're, we're in a process of a change of government all around us. You know, we talked about this. Uh, there is a war, a revolution being waged around us. Uh, Jesus Christ is unseating the kingdom of darkness. Now, in a sense, he's already won the victory at the cross. It was already accomplished there, but there is still darkness in this world because it's also a process. And it's a process because he's, his kingdom is not about the physical as much as it is about you and I. He's come to save us. It's actually a process of grace. If he just instantaneously just came down, see, that's what the Jews thought. He would just come down and he'd instantaneously do this and he would just say, this is my kingdom, here it is, and he'd force the issue. Well, if he does, mankind would be lost to hell. We'd be lost to, he's given this as a time of grace where he's imposing his kingdom, but he's doing it in a way so that you and I have the opportunity to come to him and repent and be forgiven and cleansed of our sin so that we're not lost in the judgment. That goes back to that that uh, scripture, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, about a child being born. And it says, that the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice. You see, Jesus is going to bring justice. He's going to bring judgment on the earth, and it will bring peace. But He's not wanting to perform 
that judgment on us until we've taken we've had an opportunity to receive his forgiveness because if we take if we have to face judgment without his offer of forgiveness we're, we all fall short we need the forgiveness we need to receive that grace and so today as you listen to this it's the grace of god that you have this day it is, it is because God is patient and loving and he's waiting for you and me or someone to hear his message and say, I want that. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to face the judgment. And you see, and it's his zeal that's going to perform this. He's, he's zealous. He wants with great passion. He wants to accomplish these works. He wants to bring justice to the world, but he also wants to save you and I, those that he, he loves desperately. And so we're given this uh, this time. And so for you and I, we need to understand that we need to get into this war, this change of government. And how do we do that? Well, we need to declare war on a personal level because it's, it's really a war about sin and darkness. And so when it comes to fighting sin and darkness, for you and I, it's a personal thing. We must declare war on our personal sin. We... The people of God must be delivered from personal sin that separates us from the supernatural power of God. In Romans 8, 19-21, says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God. All of creation's waiting to be liberated, but that, that salvation comes through what? God's people receiving liberty. God's people receive. If the, if the world wants to be free, creation wants to be free of darkness, God's people must be free of darkness. What does that mean? It means that you get tired of people lying to you. You see all the liars in the world and, and you go, God, where's the justice? I, 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 I want these lies and these liars taken care of. If you want to see the liars disappear, then you have to go to God and confess your lies. So you have to get that deceit out of you. You can't control other people. You have nothing to do with those other people. Quit judging other people. But you can get the sin out of you. And if it's not out of you, then quit trying to think it's going to go away somewhere else. It starts with you, you and me. As I am delivered from sin, God will deliver creation from that. But I have to submit myself to him. I have to bring myself to him. And as I do that, I'm I'm affecting creation. So the scripture says, all of creation is waiting eagerly. Waiting for what? They're waiting for me, you and me, to go to the Lord. You know, um, you know, it's happening now. That process is happening now as believers go before the Lord. And you see, this is a, a powerful understanding, revelatory idea, if you can grasp it. It's not a new idea. I mean, it's revelatory in the sense that maybe it's the first time it's awakening this in you but the move of god the kingdom of god is in us it's in you and i and so we must be the ones to deal with these things in us 
I know many Christians, they, they chase, they're looking for God for revival. They're, 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 is God moving here? I'll, I'll go to this revival at this church or this meeting place or this conference. And they're, they're chasing, chasing, and chasing as if God is a person that travels in a vehicle or airplane to various locations. If you want revival, it doesn't start in a building or a conference. It's in you. There's nowhere on the planet you can go to get it. It's you and Jesus, God in you. You want to be free from sin? You go to God and it happens in you. You don't have to chase down some evangelist or speaker so he can lay hands on you so you can be free of sin. They can't free you from sin. Only God can and God is with you right now. Even if you're alone off in the world, and you're hearing me and whatever means you're listening to this. God is with you right now. And everything you need, the deliverance, the freedom, the revival, the fire, it's right there. He's right there offering it to you. And he's zealous to perform it. He's zealous to do that. That means that he's passionate with great excitement to do this thing for you and for me. And if we will come to him in open honesty, lay these things down before him and submit, he he deposits that. Revival can break out in us. The fire of God can fall upon us. And if it's falling upon us, don't worry about it. He'll bring it to creation around you. He'll do that. But it's got to start with you. It has to start with you and I. Ultimately, we have to realize that if we will become his sons, we'll rest in him. If we'll quit trying to act like sons of the devil and be cleansed by him, that suddenly he, he, he moves in ways that we can't understand. His power is released into our lives. You know, Revelation twelve eleven says that the saints overcame by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. When you think about what does that mean? Well, the blood of the Lamb, it's the sacrifice on the cross. It's what Jesus done. He's accomplished all those things. But the word of our testimony, what is the word of our testimony? It's not just, you know, oh, I'm telling the gospel message. No, the word of our testimony is what did God do for you? See, the blood of the Lamb, that's the gospel message. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He paid for your sin. He rose from the dead. That's that's blood of the Lamb. The word of your testimony is what happened to you when you heard and applied the blood of the land, when I, when I, when I applied the gospel, Oh, I heard Jesus died for my sin and I came to him. I confessed my sin and I believed in him. Suddenly he came down. He delivered me from sin. He changed my life. He pulled me up from where I was at and he did this, this, and this, those, all these great things that you can go into. Suddenly your testimony of the great things, God, that's how you overcome darkness. We want to we want to see people delivered. We want to see people saved. Well, guess what? It comes in the blood of the Lamb, the gospel message, and the word of your testimony. Is God moving in your life? See, if God is moving in your life, if He's bringing that deliverance, if He's doing those things in your life, then that's a testimony, and you're now telling people, and you have the testimony because of the gospel, the blood of the Lamb, and and because sometimes we we get so caught up into the gospel of telling people what Jesus did on the cross, we're sharing the blood of the lamb, but we're not sharing the word of our testimony. 
and people hear it, they can hear the gospel message, but they don't believe it because it sounds like every other fake myth story they've ever heard. How do I know that's real? That's just a story. But now you see, you combine that with the word of your testimony. And your testimony is going, when I heard it, and I believed it, and Jesus did X, X, and X, or this, this, this in my life, suddenly they go, you mean it's not just a myth. It's not just a fairy tale. This is real. And they, they hear that, and suddenly it makes them look at the gospel story, and they go, if that is real, what can he do for me? And that sort of sounds selfish, but you're in darkness. You don't understand the light. See, that's what the word of the testimony does, is it helps bring understanding to this light of Jesus shining in the darkness. What does that mean? Don't scurry away, little roach. Turn. Here's another bug analogy. Become a moth. Become a moth that is drawn to the light. You know, I first used that analogy and... and Immediately, it's a, you know, people think of bug zappers. It's a light and the moths are drawn to them and they, they, they hit it and they fry and they die. And I use that like a moth drawn to the light. And so goes, yeah, and that's when you get zapped and died. And I go, correct. Because the, the Bible is clear that we are to die to ourselves so that we can live for him. You know, if we lose our life for his sake, we find it. And yes, we, we want to, do, our lives we lay down so that we can pick up his life and live his life in us. So yeah, in a sense, yeah, you're like a moth. You're going to get zapped and your sinful life dies and you rise up in resurrection power to live the life that he has given you. And you see, that's anointing. That's power of God. That's being purified. And now, now is the time that needs to happen. You know, there are awesome miracles and works of God that are are happening now. They're happening now for those who believe. And we have to realize that too often we've allowed uh, the sin of unbelief or we limit God in areas. And, and it causes us not to have the exploits of God uh, lived out, manifested in our lives. And we do. Many times we as Christians, I'm speaking to us as Christians. Many times we, we nod our head and we say, I know God can do miracles. But on the inside, we're saying not for me. Or that's not really realistic for me. Or that's not really real. I agree that God in the Bible did that, but that doesn't happen today. You know, the greatest thing about cessationists, people who believe that all that stuff, the gifts and everything ended in the apostolic age is they forget the gifts happened after salvation. The moving of God in those ways was after the offer of salvation. And if those gifts has ceased, it's because salvation has ceased. But salvation hasn't ceased. The move of God hasn't ceased. The reason you think that is because you just don't believe. And it's easier to justify your actions by making up a human tradition on why God can't deliver you. We justify sin that way. We justify actions that way. There are entire catechisms and dogma of made-up tradition that try to justify why God can't actually do what the Bible says he can do in our lifetime because of X, X, and X. And we want to limit God. And God's wanting to release us from that type of darkness. 
from that type of sinful thinking. He wants us to abide in him. And that means that we need to grow up and become mature. You know, there, there are scriptures, um, you know, John 17, 20 through 21, uh, John 14, 18 through 20, when Jesus says that he and his father are one, that his, he's in his father and he's, you're in me and I in you. And, um, this idea that we're in each other, he's with us and we need to mature and grow up. And I say that because immature people, um, don't understand that we need to get involved in this change of government. There's a revolution going on. God is overthrowing the kingdom of darkness. You know, and in the past, um, in this church age, many churches, many people, um, they sort of kind of believe that all you had to do is pray a prayer that Jesus is your savior. And, uh, um, you're just, you're just there. You, you've got everything for the, from the kingdom. And then you try to live life and you, you go, well, I prayed this prayer. Why isn't life full and happy and fun? And why am I still in bondage to things? And, and I thought being a Christian was supposed to be something different, but we need to understand that, you know, I want to use the idea of a church age and kingdom age. Listen, the church age is the kingdom age, but let me just call it maybe the, the, the religious traditional age versus the kingdom age is that we're, we're beginning to understand that to be a Christian, to be a child or son of God means that we're becoming one with Jesus. We're becoming one and that we need to be led by the spirit we're being led by Jesus. We're being led by the Father, you know. And if we're being led, the whole idea of leading is that He's the leader, and we're following. When you play follow the leader, if you don't follow the leader, you lose. You have to do whatever the leader does. And so we need to follow, which is an idea of submission. I know no one likes that word submit. You know, we don't like authority. But Jesus is the leader, and He's going somewhere. And if we will follow Him, that's that leads to maturity. We grow up and we begin to realize as we're following that there's a process. And see, and part of the process that God is doing is he's delivering us from the works of the enemy. And it's a process because, you know, we've been in darkness so long, we don't understand the light. We get saved and we think we do. This is one of the, this is one of the great problems that most young believers have. They get saved and God instantly delivers them from some sin, not all sin. I mean, Spiritually, you're delivered from all sin, but you got all these habits you got to learn to get. There were some things like for me, I I had I cussed terribly. I was a terrible cusser. I was joining a fraternity. I cussed so bad, my fraternity made me do push-ups, as if the fraternity cared about cussing. But I was so bad, they got tired of you listening to me. So that's how bad I was. When I got saved, God delivered me from that. He he hit those words right out of my mouth. It was awesome. But guess what? I still had habits. And that God wanted me through a process of growing up with him, of following him. As I followed him, I learned. And that's, that's a process of growing up. You see, we're no longer going to be ruled by my own mind, my own soul. Instead, I'm going to, my, I'm going to learn to follow him. I'm going to learn to follow my spirit. And I'm, I'm going to learn to follow the spirit of Jesus. 
And as I do that, I begin to understand what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the love, the power, the wisdom of God? How can I live up to the fact that the fullness of the deity of Christ dwells in me? What does that mean? How do I do that? Well, it's a process. And that's what God is doing. He's taking us on that process. And by the way, this isn't some type of elitism. You know, this offer is open to every person in the whole world. All they have to do is come to Jesus and they can be part of his kingdom. He offers that to everyone. So, a change of government. To go from the enemy's rule, from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdoms of this earth, to becoming part of the kingdom of God, it doesn't begin with what we do here on earth. It begins with what we hear and believe with the Lord. It begins when we begin living out what we believe from the Lord. So as God's kingdom is preached, and as we hear, believe, receive, the power of God is further released and established in our lives. And as it is established in our lives, so it is accomplished on earth. So it will manifest in areas on earth. And just like Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It begins with you and I. Father, I thank you that you are changing governments, God, that you are bringing us into your kingdom, away from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Father, I pray that your light would shine upon us. As many of us are celebrating the birth of Jesus in this Christmas season, Father, I pray that your light would shine upon our lives, God, that we would enter into the spiritual war that wages around us, God, that, that Lord, we would deal with what you want to deal with in our lives personally, God, and understand that the revival, the things that we often seek, isn't somewhere else. It's right here between you and us, you and me. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you are that close and personal, God. Father, I pray that you would transform our lives, that we would breathe you in and you would transform us, God into the kings and priests that you've called us to be, God, and that we would follow you. And knowing that as we follow you, you are manifesting your kingdom here on earth, God. Lord, we give you praise in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this teaching is blessing you. You can catch the rest of this series as we come into a conclusion here in the next few weeks, as we end 2022 and entering 2023, you can find this series and others at our website, www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Yeah.